0: Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com, or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. All right, it's hard to believe we only have four weeks before Easter Sunday, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where the time goes sometimes, how it moves so quickly. But I will say it moved really quickly last night because we lost an hour. And matter of fact, uh, this will be the smallest service we'll have all year in second service. And third service will be the largest service we'll have all year. True story. It never fails every year. That's the way it falls, that one hour of sleep, right? Uh, Well, we are going to be looking at the last steps of Jesus the teachings that he gave us, the stories he taught us. We're gonna be digging in as we're seeking to understand more of who Christ is and more of how he calls us to walk this life out with him. I'm grateful that you're here this morning, and I'm grateful you're gonna dig in with us. If you want to go ahead and pull your Bibles out, we're gonna be in John 4 today. Uh, John chapter 4, we're gonna read 42 verses together. That's a lot of verses, uh, so you'll have to stay with me. It's a story of Jesus and a woman from Samaria. Now, we often call the story the woman at the well. Uh, That's just where she was at the moment, but the big fact is she was a Samaritan woman that Christ encountered and shared the the living water with her, the hope that you and I have been given as well. Uh, Now, I gotta tell you, if you got your sermon outlines, you'll notice there's nothing on it. It's plain today, right? There's no points. There's no scripture. It's because even up until last night, I was just struggling with what I was going to share, just wrestling. We went to a conference this last week, and it was, it was exciting. Uh, 7,000 people there with a heart to start new churches and, and lead a, a movement and singing and worshiping God, calling out to him together, following up this, this neat little revival that we've seen at Asbury and Texas A&M and Lee Seminary, where a lot of college students coming together to pray. And I've heard some people uh, wishing or saying that perhaps they needed to do some, some things differently at those events and should have done things a little, little more normal, I guess you'd say. But I would just say, man, if you get college students they are willing to pray for a couple of weeks at a time, why would you complain about anything, just get excited that young people are getting excited about Jesus. That's what I say. Now, do we need to keep things on track? Of course we do. But we've also got to let the Holy Spirit move in our lives and and change our hearts. Um, Along with that, I saw the, the movie Jesus Revolution came out and uh, we went. then we went down to Exponential for this conference. And then I came back and I was like, man, I want to see that movie again. Went and saw it again yesterday and just even more excited because I believe the hope that we have is in the next generation of them catching and understanding this good news of Jesus. Why do I believe that? Because the time of the Jesus revolution in the early 70s was a time where, where the people were desperate. They had tried alcohol. They tried drugs. They tried rebellion. They tried anarchy, and all of that was leaving them empty, but also ready to be filled. And when they discovered Jesus, it was like wildfire, as they found a, something that would truly fill them and change them from the inside out. And that's what I, I pray for you and I. I pray that we will truly get filled up from the inside out, and. And Jesus, this message he brought was a message of hope and forgiveness and grace. And that this story today in John chapter 4 encompasses all of that. So if you got your Bibles with us with you, you can turn to John chapter 4. I'll start in verse 1. And we're gonna go all the way through 42. Okay. It says Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. eventually came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, "'Please give me a drink.'" He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, "'You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink?' Jesus replied, "'If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me, and I would give you living water.'" "'But, sir,' "'You don't even have a rope or a bucket,' she said. "'All this well is very deep. "'Where would you get this living water? "'And besides, do you think that you're greater "'than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us this well? "'How can you offer better water than he and his sons "'and his animals enjoyed?' "'Jesus replied, "'Anyone who drinks this water "'will soon become thirsty again.'" But those who drink the water I'll give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it's here on Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter where, whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one that you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way, for God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from village to see him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. Then Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But I say, wake up, look around. The fields are already ripe for the harvest. The harvesters are paid good wages, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants, another harvest, and it's true. I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you'll get to gather the harvest. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay at their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear the message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have hurt him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to show us what we can learn from this gal. Lord, I love this story. You know I do. It is so encouraging the way you notice everybody. That you care about every individual, no matter what their past is, no matter what their present is, you offer your love to each one of us. So I pray that as I share, I pray that this passage, Lord, would just come to life for folks and that you'd ignite a fire in us that truly would bring a, a spiritual Jesus revolution throughout our city, our nation, and the world. Pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Long passage, huh? I tried to find a way to just take parts out, but there was just so much there, I just didn't want to miss anything. So, to start with, the, the climate that Jesus was walking in at that time was a very racially charged climate. We think our climate is racially charged today, but I believe it was so much worse in that day. You see, the Jews hated the Samaritans, as we can see in this story. The Samaritans hated the Jews, and the Romans, well, they were hated by everybody, and they hated everybody. So there's all this tension going on. Matter of fact, when Jesus starts talking to the woman, what does she bring up immediately? Race. Well, you're a Jew. Why are you talking to me? And we are living in a day where the media wants to divide us based on the color of our skin or the nation we were born in or the part of the country or whether we were Republican or Democrat, it wants to just push us against each other in such a way to divide those of us who are walking with Christ amongst lines that Jesus intended us to see as areas that would actually bring us together. You see... When God began the journey for mankind, he didn't intend for the different nationalities and races to separate us. Just a part of the beautiful rainbow that he created. It's man that starts racism. So the first thing I want you to see is that the kingdom of God is for all races. Jesus notices this Samaritan woman. She's there in the middle of the day and he engages her in conversation which was unheard of in that season. But you see, Jesus wasn't afraid to blow up social norms to do what's right. He wanted all people to know that the hope is for all folks. Red, yellow, black, and white, they're all precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. One of my favorite songs as a kid. And how is it that when we get to be adults, we lose that? that all of a sudden we're looking at color, we're looking at nationality, we're looking at these things as separators. Jesus didn't see it that way. His message of good news was for all peoples and all races. Genesis 22, it started all the way in the beginning. It was God's plan. For those who think maybe it just started with Jesus, in Genesis 22, verse 17, 18, God's talking to Abraham, who was the founder of the Jewish nation. He says, I will certainly bless you, I will multiply your descendants beyond number like the stars in the sky and the sand of the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies and through your descendants all the nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. That's God's desire is that all nations will be blessed. Now, let me tell you, we're blessed here in Cookville. I'm so glad we got Tennessee Tech because we get a much different flavor than if it was just Cookville. Am I right? You know, so grateful for all our international students we get to have. My wife and I have been blessed to have so many of them live with us from time to time. We've had folks from Colombia, folks from Korea, folks from China, folks from Brazil, folks from Italy, all different nations live with us at different times. And my kids have grown in their understanding of the beauty of these cultures and these different folks from different nations. I believe it's a gift to get to experience these different cultures. And then we all get to come to where we meet in unity, and that's the throne of God, as we worship him and know him and follow him. And it gives us unity as we go together. So, uh, today, we still live in a country that is racially divided. And it breaks my heart, because that's not what Christ came to establish. He came to show his love for all peoples. And I'm so sick and tired of all the discussions going on, white privilege, black privilege, Asian privilege, discrimination, this, that, and the other. Listen, in this room today, we need to all realize we all have privilege. It's called Jesus privilege. Everybody in this room has had the privilege of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ and worshiping him without fear of oppression or persecution, That is a privilege that we need to be grateful for, that we could come and celebrate and worship him. It is a gift God has given us, but it's not meant to be held tight. It's meant to do like Jesus did with this woman. It's meant to go out into all the world and share the hope of Jesus, the good news of Jesus. And so that's my challenge in the beginning of this story. What I'm pulling out of this is the kingdom of God is for all. Jesus broke those barriers, not just with the Samaritans, but he broke it with the Romans as he showed love to the Romans. He broke it in all those racial compartments. Matter of fact, if you look at Pentecost, go back and look, all these people came from different nations to Jerusalem, and the Holy Spirit fell on them all, all different national backgrounds. It's a beautiful picture, It's what God intended, and we get to be a part of that. The second thing I see is that the kingdom of God is for the broken and for the outcast. In John 4, this woman thinks Jesus is worried about physical water. But instead, he's offering her living water, the hope that we have. And, And interesting, he points out the fact that she's not married and she's had five husbands. Now, that would have been a pretty embarrassing conversation. He goes straight to the point And yet he loves her anyway. Because you see, Christ wasn't concerned with her past. He was concerned about her future. You can't change your past. Everybody in here has a past. Everybody, even up to this morning, right, on the drive here, we have a past on how we behaved, getting here an hour, less sleep, and trying to get people in the car and driving over here. We have a past, right? We can't change the past, but Christ can change the future. And that's what he desires to do. And this woman had a past. She was broken. Most scholars believe that the reason she was there at noon was because it was the one time that she could come and not be harassed. Because you would normally go to get water in the morning, in the cool of the morning, or in the cool of the evening. But if that's when all the other ladies are there, and it it says it was a village, a village. A Samaritan village, so it's not even a big city. So I don't know how big a village would be before it becomes a city. Maybe it's a 1,000. So if you imagine, she's been divorced five times in a small village. That's a significant part of the population. Not a popular person in her village. Jesus had to help her see that, first of all, she needed this living water. And I want to tell you today, you and I need this living water. We need this hope and this grace and this forgiveness that God offers us. This group that we took down to this conference, this uh, church planning and evangelism conference, we took about, I think it was 18 from the river and uh, like 36 total from the, our church planning network. And a, a group of us, there were 20 of us that got a, a house together, big old house down there, had a great time. But I, was, I had the, the plan to do devotionals each night like and and just, you know, pull out some scripture and kind of do a little lesson. And as I was praying through that, I really felt like the Lord said, just let everybody share their testimony about what God has done in their life. And I didn't know some of these folks that well. And so each night we went around and and half the group shared their story one night, and half the group shared the story the other night. Now understand these are people who have a heart to do ministry full time. They have a heart to proclaim the good news. And out of this group, We had two that were former drug dealers that God had rescued and forgiven and set them free. We had multiple alcohol and drug addicts that had been set free. We had folks that had been uh, in adultery, fornication, abortion. We had folks that had been suicidal and attempted to take their life. We had folks that had come out of atheism, folks that had come out of broken homes, one of the guys that I'd never met before had come out of Central America, and he was telling his story. He's a banker in the Northeast, and he's a church planner. so I thought this young man had had a pretty easy life. And he goes to tell a story how he's pretty much abandoned as a child uh, as his parents moved to America without him to try to make a living, and he just got passed around from person to person. And he was so bitter and angry as a young man until he found Jesus as a young teenager, and it changed everything. You've probably got a similar story. I'm certain in this room we've got folks that are former drug dealers, abusive, anger issues, liars, thieves. But then we also had people in our group that said, you know what, I grew up in church. I've never gone off that deep end But at the same time, there had to come a point in my life where I made that faith my own. And it took just as much of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ to forgive them, to wash those sins away as it did anybody else. The truth is, if we were to be honest, everybody in this room is broken in some way or another, needing the healing of Jesus Christ. The forgiveness and the hope. And that's good news because that means we're all on an even playing field, rescued. And it doesn't matter what your color, your skin is, your nationality. The love of God is chasing after you and I to redeem us from whatever that might have been in our past and set our feet on solid ground. One of the things that I'm passionate about is, is helping people understand that whatever their past is, once they've con- confessed that and turned away from it, they're no longer slaves to that. And yeah, I think too many people in this room, even today, would say that God can't use you to, to teach others about Jesus. He can't use you to tell others about Jesus at, at your workplace or whatever because they all know your past, they all know who you were. How many of you ever had trouble <laughs> Ever had trouble getting over who your relatives saw you as as a teenager? Anybody? You know, you go back, your aunt and uncle, they're still like, oh yeah, you're still that idiot that got pulled out. I remember that time, yeah. Yeah, you're still that nephew that did such and such. You're still that grandkid that did such and such. You're still my cousin that got arrested along with, right? Listen, that may be the way they see it, but the Lord says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. The Lord says if we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's gone. And you got to quit living in the past. Quit living in your defeat. Quit letting the devil beat you down for what's in the past. And you got to start looking ahead at what God has for you you got to read the Scriptures and and understand that he sees you as his son and his daughter, and he loves you extravagantly, and he sent Christ to bring this new message that reconciliation between God and man can be complete. But we have to receive that. That day, she received it. She got fired up. Now, as she did, the third thing I see is that uh, he gave her some instruction. The kingdom of God is for all who will worship God. She brought up worship and and how they worship in different places, right? She's like, you Jews, y'all all believe you gotta worship in the temple. We believe we worship on the mountain. And Jesus says, hey, come a day that neither one of those places are gonna matter. The temple is right here. The temple is in our heart and he calls us to worship in spirit and in truth says, God is a spirit. God, therefore, wants to be worshiped. How do we do that? I mean, we, we don't have an idol up here, right? When we're singing, we're not singing songs to an idol. We don't have an image up here. We're singing to God. And so, the goal is that as we worship God, that we honor him from the inside out. Not that we come here and we check a box and say we've been to church and we're good people, but that we come here, we lay our souls before him and we cast our hearts before God and we worship him with all that we are and all that we can. Now, let me make this a challenge to you guys, gals. We need to pour our hearts out before God when we come. Now, whatever you do in order or deed, do all to the glory of God. So seven days a week, we should be worshiping him in our heart. But one day a week, we come together as a church family. And I don't know what you've been through, but there is something supernatural about when you are singing these songs before the Lord, no matter how bad your week's been, when you let those words come out of your mouth and you voice your praise to Christ and you remember that he is your deliverer, he is your hope, it refreshes your soul, does it not? I love it when the team gets up here and they lead and, and I just get to sing and glorify God. And, but it is so much more powerful when I hear the people next to me singing. I love it when I'm sitting on the front row and I can hear everybody behind me singing. And I'll tell you, the, the worship team will tell you what lights their fire is when they hear the congregation singing even more than they hear themselves. When, when we are singing together, I believe that, man, that is power as we're worshiping him in song. And then as we worship in prayer, that moves mountains. Why is it that all of a sudden there's this movement going on in our nation? I don't know. I think there's a good chance it's because of prayer. And if we want to see God do something supernatural in our homes, because it starts here, right, with each individual. And in our church, it's going to come because of worshiping in spirit and then in truth. And what is truth? Truth is where we follow and live out not how we want the Bible to be or God's word to be, but how it actually is. There's a lot of pressure on these days to deviate from the truths of scripture. And there's a lot of things people want me not to preach on. But the word of God is the word of God. And we've got to stand on it for eternity. And as a pastor, as church leaders, we aren't given the freedom to just adjust this as we want to. We can't just cut parts of the Bible out that we don't like. We've got to walk out the whole teaching, worship in spirit and in truth. Sometimes that's hard, but here's the thing. If we skip a a sin or two, if we choose not to preach the whole counsel of the word of God, somebody's going to stay entrapped in their sin. And God wants all of us to be free. He wants to break the chains of sin in our lives. So the kingdom of God is for all, and we are called to worship him. So bring your A-game today and every Sunday when you come. Come prepared, as excited as you might be at your favorite event that you go to. I don't know if you like going to to music concerts, but it's always uh, amazing to me that people go to concerts and they know every word of every song that the musician has written, right? And then you'll, you'll hear them all singing in the... And I just think we need to bring our A game as though we're having to pay, you know, $150 for a concert ticket. And we are coming to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who is worthy. So much more so than any music artist that we've ever liked, or any football team we've ever watched, or any speaker that we ever thought was amazing. Well, last thing is that the kingdom of God must be shared with all. What did this Samaritan woman do? She went back home. She went back in the village, and she told everybody. She said, you got to meet this guy. He has told me everything about my past. You got to meet him. Could he be the Messiah? I believe he is the one that is promised. You got to come with me. Come hear this. Now, here's what's interesting. These people, it said, a stream of people began coming to meet Jesus. But before they did, something else happened. Who came to visit him? The disciples, right? They came and they brought him, you know, brought him some food. And he's like, I've already eaten. They're like, what? You've already eaten? He's like, oh, man, I have fat. I have feasted. And they're trying to figure it out. And then all these these folks from the city start coming to visit And asking about Jesus. And all these people begin to follow Christ. Now, here's what's interesting the disciples had just come out of that same city, and all they came back with was a happy meal. She came back from the city with souls. What was the difference? Her life had been changed. Had their life been changed? Yup, but they had gotten comfortable. And it's easy to get comfortable. It's easy in Cookville to get comfortable because we know so many people that are followers of Christ that go to Life Church, that go to Stephen Street, that, that are good people that love the Lord. And yet still in our community, three out of four people are not worshiping God on Sundays. Three out of four, 75% are not worshiping God on Sunday morning. So you know what that tells me? There's a whole lot more people we gotta go back in the village and rescue. There's a whole lot more people that we've gotta tell them our stories. We gotta quit being embarrassed by the fact that we used to be a drug dealer, an addict. And we gotta go back and we gotta let them know that Christ rescued us out of that. The longer we're Christians, the more it looks like or it should be that we have our stuff together, Right? And people meet us like I met that Sergio fella. I thought, man, this guy's had a, he's had a silver spoon all his life. And it was just the opposite. When I heard his story, it lit my fire and just reminded me how Christ had rescued me. But you and I, we've gotta be willing to go back into the village with the good news. We got four weeks before Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday is the most attended church service by people that are not followers of Christ, it and Christmas Eve. And so I gotta tell you, just let me just give you a simple way. Just go watch the Jesus Revolution movie because we all like to talk at work about movies, right? And then you got an excuse. Just say, hey, I saw this great movie. Have you seen it? And they go, what was it? Say, it was Jesus Revolution. Man, let me tell you about the revolution Jesus did in my life. Boom, right there. I just gave you a simple win, right? And if you don't have a win in your life, of what Christ has done, then this good news is for you because today you can. Today you can trust Christ with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and fill that void that's there for all. Today you can find that hope and you can put the past behind you and throw the lies out of the devil that says, well, you're not good enough. You'll never be this. You'll never be that. Liar, liar, pants on fire. He is just scared of what will happen if you take the message of the rescuing that Christ did in your life and you take it to those that are hurting. He's scared of what revolution might take place. And you and I could get to be a part of that. So I'm gonna invite you to stand. Jimmy's gonna come out. And today I wanna invite you to come. All who are weary, come. If you've been carrying your past on your shoulders, come. If you're struggling with who Christ is, come. Let us pray with you. Let us encourage you. If you've never given your life to Christ, I'll be in the front middle, and I'll be glad to counsel you, and others will as well. If I, if there's a whole flood, I'll find people, okay? On the right over here, our staff will be there to pray over you, encourage you. If you come over here to the right, they will pray with you and kneel with you if you want just to, some time alone with the Lord by yourself, over here to my left, there's some prayer kneelers, and you can come and pray. And if you want to write somebody's name on stage, you can do that as well. Our staff was praying over the names on the stage this week, and, and the, the names up here are just names of our friends and family that we are calling out before God that they would find the good news of Jesus. And I just want to challenge you between now and Easter, will you go back in the village Will you go back to wherever you live, work, and play and let them know, share some real trans, some real just transformational stories of what Christ has done in your life. We also have the prayer room in the back. And if you need to unpack some stuff in your life, it's a great place to go back and have folks that are trained to listen and pray and intercede for you, okay? So as Jimmy plays, I'll be down front, our team is ready. Whatever the Lord's telling you to do, just say yes. If it's just to, to sit here and stand and worship and, and pray for the people around you, then do that. But let's be obedient this Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. If you would like more information about the church and what God is doing here through the river, you can visit therivercc.com or you can download our app in the app or Google Play Store. Again, we just want to say thank you for listening, and we hope as you go throughout your week that you are able to love God, love people, and impact the world.